This is Dr Rachel Sutherland. I am the Chair for Careers on the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh Trainees and Members Committee. I'm an ST7 in Acute, General and Stroke Medicine. And today I'm having a discussion with Dr Felicity Baines, who is a Foundation Year 1 trainee at the Borders General Hospital. Every year we as a committee create an evening medical update which is top tips for Foundation Year trainees who are about to begin their rotations and so the idea of this podcast is that Felicity and I are going to have a chat through things that we think would be helpful for the folk who are medical students who are being deployed early effectively beginning their FY1 year a bit sooner than they should do so thanks very much Felicity for joining me today. So Felicity, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're a Foundation Year One trainee, that's all I've told them. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, an FY1, started working the borders. Um, My first rotation, general surgery. Um, Stayed here for general medicine and have subsequently stayed on since everything has happened with COVID. (laughs) Yeah. So the COVID pandemic, Mm -hmm. you were meant to rotate somewhere else, is that right? Yeah, I was meant to move to Edinburgh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, to cardiology over there, but everybody's at a standstill at the moment. So it's quite nice being stuck somewhere that you know how it works. Yeah. Um, And I think that's probably very useful at the moment. It's kind of good that during everything being changed, Mm -hmm. actually you're somewhere some familiar faces yes. you know that's that side of things is incredibly helpful and important you start to realize how important teamwork is isn't it absolutely so as I said at the beginning of this one of the things I wanted to talk through with you because I'm a really old bird now as I said mm. I'm an ST7 and being an ST7 means I've forgotten a lot about what being an FY1 is and actually foundation years have changed a lot since I did mm. it some you know in 2006 um, and technologies come on so my first question is really about the things that I would advise people to prepare Mm -hmm. and download onto their smartphones are there things that you found particularly useful in your daily practice as an FY1 that you've used your phone for yeah so I think it will probably depend which hospital you're in but certainly for the borders here we have like an antimicrobial app which is really useful for looking at what's on the formulary which medications you want to prescribe it's also got the vancomycin and gentamicin dosage calculator so you don't have to find a computer to do it you can just do it all from your phone um which is is really handy to have that yeah so there's microguide that you can use for other centres, which is a similar okay. app. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, knowing what your local unit uses yeah. is probably the most helpful thing. Yeah. But a microguide or micro app, mm-hmm. that's one of the things you've probably used on a daily basis, would yes. you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also recently found the induction app. Have you used that at yes. all? Yes, yes. The induction app is really helpful. So it's it's an app whereby you've got basically all of the numbers that you need for your establishment so bleeps numbers to direct wards so and and for specific doctors so if you know you need to contact somebody you can just look at your phone again and get that number and not have to go through switchboard yeah, I've had a few of my, my friends who are radiology trainees that were like, why am I getting all these phone numbers through at the moment? And yes. I'm like, that might be a bit that's gone on the induction app. Because you yeah. can actually put numbers in there yourself as well, can't you? That's oh, a nice thing. Right. That's a nice feature of the induction app. Yeah. And you can switch it for different hospitals. So mm-hmm. even though I've moved around quite a lot, you know, mm-hmm. I can change it for, say, Edinburgh Royal or... Yeah. 
you know, the West in general, or even Bolton or Blackburn, or you know, so it's all over the UK. It's That's all over brilliant. the UK, yeah. yeah. And because people edit it themselves, they can you can upgrade numbers that are up, to, up to date. Yeah. yeah. So the induction app's another one that I found really helpful. Um, anything else that you have on your phone that you use? There is another one that's called Spot. Don't know if you've heard about. I haven't that heard about Spot. One. I'm learning things here as well. This is great. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually it's it's more designed to help you prescribe opiates and the conversion between different types of painkillers that that you might give to people. So it's quite specific and it. But it's very good because it makes you work through the calculations and tells you if your calculations are correct at the end. So you, it's safe prescribing of opiates. That's really good. So if you're on, say, buprenorphine patch mm-hmm. and you want to convert that, yeah. you can pop that all into spot and yeah. it will tell you what your... You have to do all the calculations yourself, so you still need to know the working through, but yeah. you put it all through this app and then it will say whether or not... Well, yeah, it just comes up as a red if you're completely wrong, and that's an unsafe thing to do. <laughs> and if it's green, you know that you've done your calculation correctly and you can prescribe it. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So it actually helps you do the actual process yeah. of the calculation. Because yeah. there's often situations when you're on nights or things like that mm-hmm. that you might be, yeah. yeah, you might make simple calculation mistakes. Yeah, yeah. So for something to help you. And I think that's how it was born, actually. It's a, I think it's a GP now who designed it, and it's because when he was a junior doctor, he had. I think a bit of a mishap with um, prescribing the incorrect dose of something when he was doing a conversion. So he thought it was very, very useful to have that. And it was sort of the end of a 12-hour shift or something when he made that decision. That's really excellent. That's good. I like the BNF as well. Mm -hmm. I think the the BNF can be helpful for... It's much quicker often to search it on your phone than to flick. The books are around all the wards, but sometimes you can't find them or, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody else is using them or it's an older, whereas the one on your phone is... Is, is the most up-to-date, isn't it? Yeah, so. the BNF is, is great. And you've got the BNF for children as well. I think it's got everything on there, hasn't it? Yeah. So that's another app. And I think those are the things that I use mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And it's kind of good to have downloaded those beforehand and had a flip yeah. through and familiarize yourself with how how they work yeah which is which is good and the hospitals i think are fairly good at induction about and telling you about all of these things that you can use on yeah. your phone because it is i think sometimes a bit more specific to where you are and what what they like to use and i guess being a social media not that we are as a college in any way endorsing any social media things Mm -hmm. but i think that whatsapp's probably the thing that i use the most and i know some people don't necessarily want to be on whatsapp but for having groups of people you know that are on the same rotor or as a communication tool actually yeah i think whatsapp's pretty good it was it's a very useful tool actually for that and before i started um there were 16 of us who were starting in the borders and we just sent an email around and said who would like to be part of a whatsapp group so we'd kind of all touch base with each other before we started which i think is also quite nice when you're moving somewhere new starting a new job and you've it's just less daunting if you know you've already made some contacts even if it's only over a phone yeah and I guess the folk that are doing these medical students that are being brought in early, they will go through a formal mm-hmm. induction. Mm-hmm. And I guess what we're talking about are just those helpful hints and tips of things yeah. that, you know, we would like to do for them or they might find useful from, you know, before mm-hmm. when they start. I found it really helpful before I started to have a walk around the hospital. Yes. And 
to go to each of the areas, even if mm-hmm. I wasn't working in, say, I don't know, ophthalmology, mm-hmm. that I knew where it physically was. So yes. I spent a bit of time looking at a wall planner because I like a map. Yeah. But a lot of people don't, and but it's difficult yeah, it if you're rushing places to get lost mm-hmm. when you start. So Definitely. I spent a day wandering around, finding where the canteen is. That's always important. Yeah, that is, that is a good thing. <laughs> you need to know where to get, get your snacks and supplies from. The good coffee place, that's the other key thing, I think. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. like in certain hospitals, you know, some places do better coffee than others. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't have that issue down here. Really. No, no, it's <laughs> only one place. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I can imagine in the larger hospitals that's what you need to do. Um, and I think you're exactly right. Um, actually, I can speak from experience that we didn't really have an induction like that when I started here. It was all a bit haphazard. Um, and it certainly took a while, even though it's not particularly large, to really get to grips with where everything was so I think it's well worth your time wandering around as you say having a look at the floor plan seeing where everything is yeah um, and all you can you can sort of find the little quick ways through as well because for a long time I used to take convoluted routes <laughs> to get to all of the wards and then you realize that there are some hidden secret doors just for staff yeah <laughs> that you can try and nip through so oh you walk with a, a senior registrar and you're like oh right yeah we'll not be i'll not fess up to the fact that yeah, yeah, I, yeah. i've been walking a really ridiculous yeah, no, it route. even happened to me today i found a new <laughs> a new way into outpatients <laughs> so, uh, yeah. like, it's oh. always good to have a, have a good look around and i think for the bigger tertiary centers that i've worked in i think that's even more important yeah. because you can actually actually get your step count up by getting lost yes quite significantly yeah. can't you um, and on nights as well things look different yes. you know and different routes are closed yeah so. and you probably cover different areas you know like as i say i started on surgery so we were pretty much confined just to the top floor and two wards like you didn't really go anywhere else um, but then on nights you, you're the whole hospital um, so if you just get bleeped by somebody and say oh I need you to go to so and so you need to know where that is in case it is obviously an yeah. emergency <laughs> so orientating yourself sort of almost before you start taking mm-hmm. that time it's kind of time spent in reconnaissance is never wasted as my kind of take yeah. on it um, and the, my other piece of advice, this is from me, is um, plenty of pens. Have a stash of pens. Yes. <laughs> not just because they get stolen or nicked by other people. You actually just write a lot. <laughs> Especially here, we're not on on the inter- yeah. um, on electronic track, so you will go through a lot of ink. And yeah. so, uh, actually, I really wanted a nice pen to start with and realised that was a futile way to start as well. You just need biros. Bix, so yeah. Just go through them. Yeah, Absolutely. Exponential rate. Yeah, I had. I like the um, the soft tip. You know, you get to know a pen that you like. Yeah. And there's a lot of places that are all electronic, so there's mm-hmm. fewer and fewer places that are writing in notes. Mm-hmm. But many places still have written prescription charts, for example. Yes. So, and you need a black pen for those. So have a, a yeah. stock of black pens. When I started my last job, I had a notebook with a piece of paper, with a pen Mm -hmm. that clipped together so that I could keep a jobs list. Because I think for an FY1, your jobs list is really your... And some places that I've worked have had electronic jobs lists mm-hmm. that they've kept on a laptop, which is a roving jobs list. Yeah. But actually, you still need a personal one, and, yeah. and most people use pen and ink for that. So, yeah, I think people have different ways of sort of keeping on top of things. But I certainly find it easier to retain and remember what I need to do if I've put pen on paper rather than typed it anywhere. But again, people develop their own sort of yeah. way of working. So. In surgery, we had a jobs list on the computer, but we printed it off every day so people could then add to it and annotate it as they went um, when we do the sort of handover in the morning. Um, but on medicine, it's 
jobs books as well. So it's in sort of a centralised book that everybody can access, but you can add to it and and that's quite handy as well. And they're kind of communal jobs and then that can evolve as it goes along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know some places now have them, you know, on smartphones, so you get pinged jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think for most for most people you need Mm -hmm. to just have the confidence to develop your own system. I think that's the that's the message. Like I used to print out a a map of the ward like yes, you can floor, do here yeah, a floor, yeah, plan, floor plan yeah. and then I would have lot, lot chaotic of, yeah, to other people but, yeah, but to yourself it actually makes a lot of sense and I think you're right it's it's whatever works for you and as long as you know you know you're, you're taking responsibility for the jobs that you need to do and if you can yeah it's however you feel comfortable yeah doing that so I think, yeah, I think pens and your your own personal mechanism of how you're going to record mm-hmm. your jobs list mm-hmm. so that you can have a... a, a and, and I've seen people just frantically, they've lost their jobs list. Yes. Yeah. Everybody that loses is, their jobs awful, list. Yeah. That's a bad moment yeah. of the day, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And obviously, for me, that stays in the hospital because obviously yes. we have to make people aware of information governance and that side of things you don't want to be taking that list that might have patient identifiable information out so you've got to shred that or put it in in the confidential waste yeah Yeah. exactly at the end of the day absolutely and then I was going to move on to ask you about how you kind of addressed your kind of self-care when you first started did you think you were good at it or do you think you got better no I think I was awful (laughs) in total honesty (laughs) I think everybody thinks you're always told you know top tips for starting make sure you have a life outside of medicine (laughs) make sure you look after yourself and you see family and you do things I think you know the first month is an adjustment it's it is quite difficult it's unlike anything you're ever really going to ever experience um because you're used to life as a medical student and then all of a sudden you have the responsibility and you have to be there for your shifts and sometimes you're not that well supported you might have good support until five o'clock and then you're there five to nine and it's very very chaotic I found that I I was kind of tied to the ward for a while until I realized that that's the whole point of bleeps (laughs) you know you can leave and it's okay to leave yeah as long as you're not you know, you communicate with everybody that you're off having yeah. a break. But I think that's quite an important thing to do when you start work is making sure that you do take your breaks and you, I think leave the ward is actually quite an important thing. Don't take your break in the doctor's office on your ward. Yeah. Take it away from it so that you actually get a bit of a mental break Yeah, as well. Because even if you say you're having a break, there will always be interruptions because it's there's always something happening. They can manage for 30 minutes. Yeah. The nurses have a 30-minute break that yeah. is covered where people leave. And mm-hmm. actually, we need to actually model that as well, I think. Yes, you know? definitely. Yeah, we can learn quite a lot from them, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I always say to people try especially in the summer months like it's mm-hmm. rubbish in winter if it's raining and it's cold and it's miserable mm-hmm. but actually try and get out and see a bit of sunshine like yeah. actually makes a big difference get some vitamin D yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's a, yeah that's a useful thing to know if you got a, if you have a good office I was fortunate we had an office with two windows yeah so actually even when you were doing long shifts and it was going dark at 4 p.m you had, still a relationship. had a bit of bit of sunshine yeah. at the pokier parts of the hospital where yeah. it's pretty miserable in the winter. <laughs> but thankfully, they're starting at quite a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the moment, it's getting lighter and brighter. Absolutely, and longer days. And what about things like you know, a lot of more people like you've you're sat here with your Chili's water bottle. <laughs> 
yeah. and I've got I've got one too and uh, when I started there wasn't really the culture of having a fluid jar with yeah. you and actually you get quite dry yeah like, no absolutely I'm sure I was extremely dehydrated <laughs> for the first few weeks of work you just sort of get a bit overwhelmed I think with jobs and what you're doing and you'll think oh I don't have time to go to the toilet or yeah. I don't have time to go and get a glass of water or you thought about it and then three hours later you realize that you still haven't had anything to drink so it's quite handy having your own bottle with you because it just reminds you I think more than anything when you sit down to do your job you can have a swig and you yeah. will have a little space that you will cultivate usually in the doctor's yeah. office you know so there is somewhere that you can put that down yeah there's usually a water cooler somewhere on the wall yes, that you can yeah, fill yeah. it up there from yeah cold water supply nearby which is good and something that I you know get in the habit of it now because otherwise it costs you a fortune so um when we we recently moved from one area to another and there was a Marks and Spencer's food hall in the hospital (laughs) yeah it cost us a fortune actually you (laughs) know like you can't go to Marks and Spencer's every day and buy your food well you know yeah of course you can (laughs) but it will it will eat into your yeah Yeah. you will notice the amount Mm -hmm. of money if you're spending five pounds on your lunch every day that's 25 quid a week you know blah 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 and that's just your lunch. And that is just you're your lunch. for your dinner as yeah. well and your coffees. So yeah. <laughs> Coffee, out. yeah, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, probably when you come, I mean, I remember the first month of work was I was absolutely skinned because you're waiting for your paycheck yeah, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But actually getting into the habit of making homemade food. Yes. And it's something you like. Yeah. Something, you know, there is always somewhere on a ward for you to put your food, mm-hmm. you know, and store it. And yeah. then you can eat that, you it know. It pays to be very organized I think from yeah. that side of things I'm still quite bad me too <laughs> yeah. making sure that I can like I've prepped enough for the week ahead uh, but when you do the really long days the last thing yeah. you, you know you do end up having to be organized about what you're eating because it's important to make sure that you're drinking enough but you're also eating enough to yeah. keep yourself going and eating good food you know the canteen is not a not the place for healthy food choices yeah. like and we work in a hospital and I think I ate my own body weight in chips and beans yeah. when I first started and yeah. actually it's, it's not good for you yeah. you know well, I went into the canteen the other day and said where are the vegetables and they said we've got chips <laughs> I'm not sure that's the definition of one but so having you know get, you know investing in yourself really to have a healthy meal mm-hmm. you know I know so many of my friends me included you know piled on weight when I started work mm-hmm. and it was because I wasn't making those good food choices yeah. One of my friends, I used to giggle at her, but she had the same sandwich every day. And mm-hmm. we used to joke if she was a diabetic, she would know exactly the amount of insulin that yeah, she needed yeah, to yeah. take. Um, but actually, that habitual, I'm making yeah. this sandwich, it's nutritious, I know what's in it with a little yeah. packed lunch, it has a lot of merit to it, yeah. I think. Yeah, if yeah. you can develop those habits early Definitely. and not get into, yeah, my cost of habits. Like, I, I've got bad habits. Yeah. <laughs> So we've kind of covered about some of the logistics, so the apps, we've also talked about logistics of the actual place you're working, we've talked a bit about self-care and sort of saving yourself money, and I guess I just would like to ask about some of the nitty-gritty of actually on the job, sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, being an actual FY1, because it's so long ago that I can't remember now, so is there anything in terms of the day-to-day work, working within the teams, that when you start you wish you'd have known before you started yeah I think to be honest just a really important thing to remember is to not be shy and make sure that you're proactive about things and if you have any questions 
don't be afraid to ask anyone like there is always somebody there who will help you out and support you and actually other F1s to get like you're in it together so you can always bounce off each other um but the nursing staff are actually really really great and they are I relied on them so much <laughs> at the beginning especially somewhere like surgery I wasn't particularly confident with things like prescribing a lot of sort of heavy duty pain relief <laughs> for <laughs> surgical patients so I was sort of going very slow and low doses with things and actually taking advice from people who've been working around it for years they know a lot um so i think just make sure you sort of take everybody else's points of view on board and don't be afraid to ask any questions i think one of the things that i would sort of reflect Mm -hmm. as now a senior person to people is if somebody is rude or unkind or dismissive of you Mm -hmm. i don't think that's on you yeah, I think that's really difficult when you start because mm-hmm. this is the start of your job. You know, mm-hmm. like you say, this is a transition. This is your first job. Yeah. So you go into it and you you do take everything incredibly personally. Yeah. But actually, if somebody behaves badly, mm-hmm. that's their behaviour. It's not necessarily in yeah. reference to you. Yeah, I think that's, that's they're not coping. Yeah. Um. When you are at different points in your career, which you'll appreciate as you get older, you know. So when you every every bit where you step up is mm-hmm. a is a stress point. So when you move from FY two into your specialty, mm-hmm. when you move to become a registrar, um, when you become a consultant, and all of those things happen in this August changeover. Yeah, and so. That's often quite a mixing pot of actually people not coping or finding it difficult to inhabit that change. And so sometimes, you know, when somebody is short or rude or, you know, that's actually a reflection more on them Mm -hmm. and the circumstance rather than you personally. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's completely fair. And yeah, try not to take things too personally because it is, it's an adjustment for everyone. Yeah. Actually, when you start and most people are just trying to do the very best that they can do but it will it will be i i think probably at least a month of trying to get (laughs) used to what your day-to-day life is and just sort of navigating new work yeah but it's it's good to feel part of the team and i've certainly felt that here i think it's been a very supportive environment um i think it's one of the benefits actually from a district general point of view you get to know quite a lot of the staff at all levels so you feel safe in lots of ways and feel like you can ask lots of questions even if they do seem a bit silly um, and I think as long as you try and you've shown some sort of initiative most people are, are actually all right and will try to help you out. We were just talking to a colleague about this mm-hmm. not so long ago and we were saying that um, the proactive thing shows itself in things like um, people go, oh, this patient's really difficult to cannulate. Yeah. And if you go straight to the edge and go, oh, would you cannulate this person because they're really difficult to cannulate and yeah. you haven't actually uh-huh. had a go. Now, I've heard people sort of argue the opposite to that go oh, you don't want them to ruin the one good vein or whatever but actually you can always ask for somebody to come with you, with you. yeah yeah you and know to help you out and because that's the only way you'll learn as well by seeing where they go for it so yeah definitely and by definition the cannulas and blood you're doing mm-hmm. especially nowadays because of the, the you know the widespread phlebotomy service mm-hmm. lots of nurses can do things yeah you are 
doing the difficult ones. Yeah. And the people that helped me most with that were the ham nurses, actually. Mm-hmm. When I mm-hmm. when I started, I thought that, that the hospital at night team, for those of you who don't know what ham means, you know, they're people, you know, who are used to dealing with the tricky mm-hmm. stuff that comes up in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. And they're great problem solvers. Yeah. And I used to, you know, if we got quiet tonight, to just go around with them and do some cannulations Practice. and yeah. yeah. It's actually really important, I think, to not shy away from it. You can because you will have some bad days and yeah like high failure rates yeah, yeah. <laughs> putting cannulas in but you need to just keep trying because you will just get better with time yeah I think as well it's important we're talking about like communication and teamwork or like asking for help sometimes I think as a junior doctor you can be left with some jobs or difficult tasks that you're not really sure what, why you're doing it so like referrals to other specialities or like ref- requesting a CT scan but you're not quite sure why you're doing it yeah <laughs> uh, especially in surgery especially yeah. in surgery not um, surgeon bashing but yeah. you know, but I am kind of yeah um, I remember those days where like yeah. why do I want these 27 CT yeah. abdomens and yeah. then when you get a phone call from the radiologist because it's your name on the request yeah. it's not great so I think it's actually always really important to think about it yourself but anyway like what's been going on with the patient and try and sort of gather as much information as possible but then it's also entirely appropriate to ask your senior why they're doing what they're doing and it can feel quite uncomfortable I think when you first start because you don't you want to feel like you're doing a really good job and yes yeah I'll do that job don't worry I'll request this but actually you need to know a bit more sometimes so I think it's important to just kind of keep clear like open lines of communication with everyone and not be afraid to ask or clarify a way of can I just clarify because I'm just putting the you know I always used to frame it in that way yeah you know like I'm just filling in this CT request and I just wanted to clarify what's the question Mm -hmm. we're asking Um, and and, and another thing for like referrals is don't make a referral unless you have seen the patient yourself (laughs) that can be really that's one that you might go on the ward round and the consultant says oh this person needs an orthopedic review or an ophthalmology review you need to make sure you've examined whichever joint or the <laughs> eye and done something before you ring ring that specialty and say can you come and review them yeah <laughs> or observe the examination because it might yeah. be your consultant that it's examines them yeah on the ward round yeah but you yeah you need you just to need have... to make sure you've got all the information before you make any yeah, sort of so I can speak from experience. Yeah. The PR exam is a classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So have you examined them? Oh, yeah, no. That's, that's terrible. That's a bad moment for yes. everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. I, and I was just reflecting that, you know, when I started the SBAR um, yes. structure had come in, which is Situation Background Assessment Recommendation. Yeah. And actually, that's a structured way of putting in, you know, t- you can use that for a lot of things yeah. like requests. The situation is that this is a 37-year-old that's come in with abdominal pain. The background is they've had chronic issues with abdominal yeah. pain. My assessment is they've got a rigid abdomen and I'm concerned. And my recommendation is we'd like imaging to determine yeah. if this is an obstruction, a, you mm-hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. And actually, you don't have to put S bar in there, yeah. but that's just a checker for, you know, have make I sure got... not missed anything. Yeah. And it does make a lot of sense. They're yeah. really handy yeah. tools to use, actually, I think, all the time in medicine. Yeah. When you're just when you're chatting to colleagues about what's been going on with the patient when you're handing over to the night team, yeah. um, they're, they're really handy. 
And I always think it's worthwhile taking, I always used to take 10 to 15 minutes at the beginning and at the end of the day. So I used to go to the nursing handovers when I first started Mm -hmm. because actually you get this real feel, the nurses you know, might give you some of the softer information. Oh, yeah. You know what? I was washing Kitty this morning and she mm-hmm. was seemed a little bit confused. And actually, I picked up a number of rumbling deliriums yeah. from understanding what the, you know, what the nursing teams were doing. Or just centering yourself, you know, knowing yeah. your patients that you are yeah. responsible for. I think... You know, when people then ask you questions, you know, you can counter, you know, oh, yeah, well, she was a little bit delirious last week, yeah. but actually that does seem to be resolving and this is different. Yeah. You only get that subtlety from really knowing your patients. Yeah. And, and that takes time, yeah. you know. And also, like, if you, as you say, like, if you spend time with the nurses or you have little sort of meetings or MDTs, like, it's actually a really good opportunity to see the bigger picture of yeah. what's going on with all of your patients. My big piece of advice is that the NHS runs on caffeine. You yeah. know? <laughs> um, so and that you know, so know your consultant and know what they drink, either tea or coffee, yeah. <laughs> and your registrar and your SHO. You know, but those um, we used to go for midway through the ward round. My consultant said he'd got long enough in the tooth that he couldn't concentrate for more mm-hmm. than eight patients. So we'd do two bays, and then we would go and visit Mrs. Brown, which was a cup of coffee. <laughs> And actually, we'd come back and finish the ward round, and you know we were all refreshed. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've got I've had consultants that don't drink caffeinated drinks, so they have like you know yeah. peppermint tea or you know whatever. Yeah. But actually, you know those coffees, those touch points are really incredibly important. Yeah. Um, so don't do not ever decline a coffee. Yes. So yeah, you yeah. think, oh, I'll just get these jobs done on the ward. You'll yeah. be quicker having you, a break and then going yeah. back. And I think sometimes. Because I think all doctors work differently, and I've certainly been on some ward rounds that have lasted about five hours <laughs> without a break. So I think it's also okay in those situations to excuse yourself sometimes, not to like go for a coffee or whatever, but just make sure that you're like, sorry, can I just nip out and grab a glass of water? Because they can feel quite long, yeah. and it and you do lose concentration. So it's quite good just to have a bit of a quick breather somewhere. Yeah. And I think that those softer times are the things that I still remember, like mm-hmm. the cups of coffees, the somebody going, do you know what, yeah. just go and get a bit fresher. Like, yeah. yeah, I was a terrible fainter when I started. I used to <laughs> faint on on really long ward rounds or during long surgical procedures. Oh, okay. That's why I'm not surgical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and lots of other reasons. Yeah, yeah sure. many, many other reasons. But yeah, um, you know, you, you need to pay attention to... You know those those softer things are built in for a reason. Yeah. is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, My other pointer is that get to know different people's way of working. Yes. So we all aspire to an evidence based medicine practice mm-hmm. uh, and to relay you know up the most up to date clinical evidence into practice. But there are still subtleties into how people enact that evidence-based medicine. Yeah. That's an incredibly politically correct way of saying people do things very differently. differently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you as a junior can sometimes be at the butt of that. So you might have a consultant that, you know, they're doing off and on weeks for wards. Yeah. And they will take over patient care mm-hmm. and then change things. Yes. Don't, yeah, yeah. That, that happens. Yes, and that's that just about the way people are translating yeah. their behaviours. and and again one of the best doctors I know she worked in a unit and she amalgamated everybody's good points 
So there were, say, six different consultants and she amalgamated all their good points and learnt from all their bad points. And that was the way she became the best consultant. And actually, even if you think you're observing people that aren't, you know, the best communicators or Mm -hmm. that might not be their skill set, but learn the things you don't want to do as well as the things you do want to do. Um, So you always, you can always learn lots of things, I think, um, from everyone that you work with. And in every ward, it'll it'll be different. And, and learn from yourself, you know, you do change over time, you do realise how you want to practice or, you know, there'll be people you will not get on with, they just will be different yeah. people to you, but it doesn't mean you can't still work with them for positive outcomes for the patients and mm-hmm. that that's something, you know, thus far in your life you've often had a lot more choice, I think, mm-hmm. or as a med student, you yeah, you are a little bit at the mercy of some of the folk that teach you, but actually in, in, the, in the working environment, you know, you're only there for four months, mm-hmm. you know, you've only got that person for four months so use it as a learning opportunity about them and yourself yeah um but I have to say most of my experiences were incredibly positive and supportive yeah no I would I would say from my limited experience so far <laughs> it's been really I've really enjoyed it I've, and as you're saying about like having those coffee breaks and spending time with people that you work with actually that's really nice as well for it not to always just be about the medicine and doing the jobs like it it makes work a lot more enjoyable yeah having those yeah. sides of things and I think I mean speaking about sort of like reflecting on everything I think every day this is constant reflection in medicine um one thing you should always try and do is make sure you keep your portfolio up to date yeah because <laughs> that's something in training that if you leave that to the last minute, you can find yourself in a bit of pickle. <laughs> I think a lot of deaneries have moved away as well from, you know, everybody used to do it at the end. It's uh-huh. a universally acknowledged fact. <laughs> they introduced yeah, yeah. it and it was seen to be, oh, this is a good idea. But deaneries are now moving towards you have to show progressive engagement with portfolios. Uh-huh. And I don't, you know, I don't think that should be a stick that's beating you. Uh-huh. But I think engagement with that reflective process just shows your growth and development as a doctor and I think the fact that we haven't had an interview process this Mm -hmm. year for for a lot of specialties you know people are having to lean back on you know the things that have filled their application form and that Mm -hmm. comes from that work that you put in so it isn't unimportant Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah I think if you do a little as you go along it means it's a lot easier definitely and also the points of the portfolio. So, you know, we're all overachievers in medicine. We are all, by definition, people who are, you know, highly skilled, high, you know, intelligent people. That's what the selection process is to get into medicine. And I think people find it really difficult to deal with, you know, the, at the beginning, you won't be as good as cannulas, mm-hmm. at cannulas as you are at the end mm-hmm. but having evidence to show that you've progressed that is powerful it, and mm-hmm. it shows yourself your own progression yeah. so to speak yeah, so that's true. um yeah don't don't open your portfolio in november yes. <laughs> yeah definitely don't do that we all we've all got a friend that's done that yeah i'm a last minute person. <laughs> but um no with portfolio i think it's important that you keep on top of it and actually as I said as we were saying earlier everybody does work differently so for me I'm not great at putting it straight onto the computer so I actually have a notebook that I've written things in as and when I've been to a teaching session or 
seen something that I've thought about for a while and I'll just document it there. And so I leave it to the last minute and as much as I probably update portfolio a bit later, but it's from that time and yeah, everybody just works a bit differently. And don't forget your education. So I found that's, I mean, I trained in Yorkshire and then um, doing my foundation in Manchester. Lots of places have different mixing pots. You'll meet new people. Mm -hmm. Um, But in certain places, people don't move. But think about your education. So this is how I came across the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh and the evening medical updates. Uh Because that was, apart from grand rounds, the only times I then went to lectures. And you do have this weird... I found it really weird that transition I'm in work all the time and I was like oh I quite miss lectures and I, I never thought I would feel like that but it's like well, it's quite nice to sit here in a lecture for an hour you know and, yeah. and uh, yeah so think about things that you might want to go to from an educational perspective because yeah, I think especially early on in training it can feel a bit more like service provision and you're not doing what you're not learning as much as you thought you might you might be getting better at things like procedures but you know even even just moving into medicine so I was based mostly on the elderly ward um which was great because I'm interested in Jerry's so I like that but it was just ward rounds every day and I actually really missed doing acute surgical admissions and seeing patients and actually parking them in and just doing a bit more medicine yeah (laughs) um and you have to try and find ways to actually get that yeah from from your placement so you have to be quite proactive I think sometimes it's very easy to just sit back on your laurels and just do the bare minimum yeah Um, or become competent at the job side of things yeah you actually still need to be progressing and it's not necessarily academic yeah medicine is moving on and you need to keep a pace Mm -hmm. with the evidence bases so I really recommend podcasts. I know we're recording one now. <laughs> hint, hint. Yeah. But things like, I like Heart as yeah. a podcast. I think they give really good synopsis. The BMJ mm-hmm. have a good podcast as well. And they mm-hmm. create rapid reviews, you know, that you yeah. can access. Nice have a podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. So, f- you know, for listening as you're traveling to work. Yeah. That's Especially what... if you've got a long commute. But yeah. Down to the borders. We, 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 <laughs> you yeah. can definitely listen to a lot of podcasts. Absolutely. But you know, and, and other podcasts, you know, to broaden your horizon. But if you know, but having those things in the background, if you think actually I've had a patient and I they've had a cardiomyopathy, and actually I don't know a lot about cardiomyopathy, mm-hmm. you know, podcasts are a really good way of of, of accessing that. And yeah. um, I also found GP notebook invaluable oh, yeah. as a foundation training. That, that is good. <laughs> It's a very good website. It's a really excellent resource, actually. Uh, fair play to our, our primary care physician mm-hmm. pals. But, you know, I am a secondary care physician, but I do need to understand certain things, and, and that's a brilliant resource. Up to date, those types of things. But you can log all of those within your reflective practice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And as and especially as you get further on in your training, you know, CPD, continuing professional oh, yeah. development, mm-hmm. you can show, you know, I'm reading, and you need to get into the... The habit okay. of logging that education mm-hmm. um, contact points because you do do it differently to when you're a medical student, yeah. where you're you, you know you're invested in it because you've got this exam to pass, mm-hmm. and you know then you might have your membership exams. Again, you're invested mm-hmm. in that, but actually, then as you get further, you know you have to be invested in it for your patients yeah. and for, yeah. for the development. So it's a good habit, I think, to start early on is logging your keeping a CPD diary basically. Mm-hmm. 
I also have a doctors.net account. I, do, I don't no, know if I you don't have, have one. You I don't. have heard about them. Yeah. So that's a good web my, webmail server, but they also have a lot of online education. So mm-hmm. there's an education portal. I really recommend them. I find them really helpful. And you can get activated CPD from that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that, yeah. Um, and they've got a lot of stuff for sort of foundation trainees. Oh, okay. Um, and that kind of, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I'll have to look at it. Yeah, they have forums and that kind of thing. That's oh. quite a good quite a good um, community of doctors and you can find a community of things you might be interested in or Mm. other foundation doctors and that kind of thing Um, and of course I'm duty bound to promote the Royal College of Physicians (laughs) of Edinburgh but they do have a fantastic educational portal and again with CPD access and they also have we have the evening medical updates which are web streamed Mm -hmm. to lots of areas around the country you can come physically to Edinburgh to see it or you can stream into that but we also have lots of courses um, Mm -hmm. that are available and symposia and they give you a rapid day of update in Mm -hmm. that area so you know there's but there's a geriatrics course which is five days there's an acute medicine course we've been developing and once COVID's over Mm -hmm. um, these things might be nice to see to see folk at again and um, but I've I've found those good throughout my career so those are things I yeah. sort of recommend, recommend yeah. and I think finally to kind of finish off I think it is really important to maintain a semblance of self outside of medicine yes yeah definitely <laughs> so it's quite all-encompassing as you sort of, when you first start you're sort yeah. of in that zone but actually I mean, I, I played netball at university and mm-hmm. then joined a team of people who were doctors who played netball. And that was yeah. a real lifeline, actually. It got me out, yeah. you know, a day a week. It was different people of different levels who would, you mm-hmm. know, say to me, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, yeah. you know, and I've actually always thought that even at medical school, it was quite important to have things that you do outside and friends who are also not probably medically minded because it's very easy for it it to just be your focus and actually it's really easy when you're around doctors all the time like I live with another junior doctor so we now have a bit of a rule that we don't speak about stuff we have sort of the first 20 minutes when we get home being like this is what happened today and what did all and and that's actually really important because as you say you learn a lot of stuff um, from what's happened at your day at work and things like that but it's also really important <laughs> to then park it and do something else. So whether that's like, I don't know, like my, my flatmate, she goes for runs. I play tennis, although currently not part of a tennis club <laughs> between here and Edinburgh. But yeah, just having things, hobbies that you can distract yourself with. Yeah. And I think it's just good for everybody's mental well-being, isn't it? It doesn't have to be sport, you know, it's sport for me, but just, yes, join something else. I've got a lot of friends who knit, crochet, you know, yeah. do that quilt. Music. Music, you yeah. You have the but look for, of that. Yeah, look for something where you've moved to that is something almost separate that you can join in on, you know, rambling, whatever it is, you yeah. know, just... Reading. Like, like, it literally can just... Yeah, book yeah, club. Be in a book yeah. club or whatever, but just something, yeah, external to medicine. Yeah. I would highly recommend that. And, you know, you need to be able to switch off at uh-huh. the night time. So um, I think sleep hygiene is actually something that is really... I, I've probably changed the most. I, won't, like, I suppose we're going back to like self-care and things, but um, especially when you do nights and transitioning from nights to days can be really quite tough. 
Um, so I would really recommend, I've done a whole podcast on this with Dr. Farquhar, who's a sleep specialist down okay. in London. So I would highlight listening to that podcast and yeah. um, Dr. Farquhar has some really good resources. He does a lot with the London Deanery, with the mm-hmm. trainees down there. And I think that transitioning from nights to days mm-hmm. is a really, it's a fragile time that yeah. your sleep can really unravel. Yeah. Um, and I think even just with your regular day shifts, like if you've worked 12 and a half hours and by the time you get home, you know, you've been out of the house for 14 hours that day, you're just quite wired when you get home. And it's important, I think, like screen time is actually quite bad because it keeps you going yeah, for yeah. longer. And you, I think I've certainly found it quite good just like not to have my phone on me really when I go to bed. I leave it far away from my bed so I'm not tempted. <laughs> my it. husband bought us a disconnect to reconnect box, it's called, oh, wow. and the phones go in it on charge when we go through the door and that's so that we're not on our phones and we're present with the kids actually but they stay in there every night time because it's really easy like I'm actually not one for being on my phone that much outside work but at work as you're saying if you've got all these apps on it you feel like you you actually look at it a lot and it's always there and it's a bit of a security blanket just on my phone (laughs) the other thing I got is one of those lamps it's like a lamp alarm clock which mimics sunrise yeah which is lumi yeah it's lumia yeah it's brilliant the only downside is you can set it to come on to noises and one of them is like birds bird song yeah. which i really enjoy apart from when you stay in the hospital accommodation here at like 3 a.m i'm now tuned to wake up because <laughs> the birds are so loud i'm like oh it must be time yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, so it has its downfalls but it, i think it is quite a good tool to have anyway yeah i i am um, i got one for christmas this year and it's actually fundamentally changed yeah. my sleep practices and yeah. i i recommend them yeah and i i wake up now before the alarm on it goes yes, off and yeah. you know it's a natural like it is actually a very natural way to wake up yeah and you, I've I don't know if it's um just placebo effect but I certainly feel yeah. more rest rested well it went it was actually came out of a conversation I was having with a number of other acute meds and trainees and we found it quite helpful in that period you were talking about of transitioning out of nights and, yeah. and days so I guess yeah I guess our final bit really is about the shift patterns because you won't have done shifts Mm. like you you'll have been given a rotor pattern now Mm -hmm. and that's like you know so I've been doing a rotor pattern since 2006 and I don't really think much of it now because that's how my life is Mm -hmm. but when you start it's actually a big shift yeah you know it's quite intense yeah <laughs> I think and you will end up working quite a lot of hours yeah um, and that's why it, it really is important to make sure that you're getting good sleep you're, you're doing stuff outside because it can be very easy to just become completely absorbed by work yeah. and I found it quite tiring like that's the other thing mm-hmm. it's a they're long shifts and being mentally alert for 12 and a half hours yeah. can sometimes feel like a very tall order so making sure you're well hydrated you're eating but also just recognizing that that will take a while to get used to because well depending on what you've worked and don't before, be don't be afraid to have your break and mm-hmm. have a nap mm-hmm. actually the evidence that you know we should really be pointing to is you should be taking a break and if you can possibly have a get sleep, some get some really? shut-eye, yeah, 20 minutes to half an hour if you can, yeah, power nap, power nap, and there is a, yeah, benefit mm-hmm. in the, you know, it's 
why we call it the power nap. (laughs) But it is difficult to do because you'll kind of feel on high alert when you first start. Mm -hmm. I don't know very many foundation trainees that I work with on nights where I'll say, just give me a bleep and go and have an hour, that's fine, things are quiet. They're invariably, mm. they don't sleep, mm-hmm. do you know? And that, yeah. But if you can, you know... Some that, people are better at napping than others. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> Taking me years, but yeah, I think I've realised, you know, because I have kids that I go home to and that kind of thing, so... Yeah. And they're only in school for six hours, so I really need to protect how I mm-hmm. how I manage my night shifts and my sleep. Yeah. Whereas when I was younger, I think my sleep was much worse because it kind of felt like oh well I've got 12 hours now yeah Yeah. yeah, you actually have to be mindful of it yeah um but yeah I really would promote the other podcast by Mike Farquhar yeah it sounds good yeah no it's really it is Is it on the website yeah it's on the RCP and you'll be able to find it via our RCP COVID conversations podcast so yeah signpost to that so yeah we'll put some links of the apps we've mentioned uh, through this i hope you found it helpful if there are any topics you want me to discuss with Fliss in further detail we're more than happy to do so yeah. um, but i hope i hope this gives you some pointers and some some confidence yeah. in starting these early ass- assistantships and and i guess a big thank you for the guys that have put themselves forward yeah, to absolutely. come and help during yes. the crisis you know and we promise we'll look after you yes yeah, we'll try, <laughs> our, try our best offer a lot of support good luck yeah good luck Mm -hmm. you won't need it because you've had five years of training and six years in lots of cases and actually you know you feel every change is difficult but actually Mm -hmm. you've been prepared for this you've you've got this you'll be fine yeah absolutely (laughs) okay right thanks Liz no thank you